Welcome to the Future Sense podcast with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans, broadcast weekly from our Future Sense pod in the northern rivers of New South Wales, Australia, and available on your favourite podcast platforms or directly through rd.org slash futuresense. That's double A-D-double-I.org. And you can follow us on Twitter at Future Sense Show or on our Facebook page. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, we're going to talk about body awareness at layer seven. So this is the first step into second tier consciousness and something that is still relatively rare on the planet. The percentage of people who have transitioned into second tier is not uh, overly large. And that's, of course, related to the complexity of life conditions. As all the the layers are, we adapt to uh, a certain level of complexity to match our life conditions. So a certain percentage of people way back in the 1950s had already mm. transitioned into second-tier consciousness and were recorded in the research of Dr. Claire W. Graves. However, uh, it was a relatively small number of people within his uh, research group. And it's less than 1%, wasn't it? It was like 7 out of 1,065 or something. Actually, it was layer 8. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't have exact numbers for layer 7. But layer, layer okay. eight, there were only six out of a thousand and sixty-five, which okay. is not, not many at all. Uh, and and yeah, un- unfortunately, some of uh, Dr. Graves's documents were destroyed in a fire some years ago. Uh, so we don't have all of the, the statistics that we'd like to have. But um, suffice to say that there were people around back then. And if we look at at written history, you know, there are, there's evidence of people around the turn of the century, like the, the beginning of the 1900s, who were starting to think in a second tier way and talking about stuff like quantum mechanics, developmental psychology, and those sorts of things with a, a multi dimensional focus. And it's those sciences which reflect that emerging transition into the second tier, aren't they? Things yeah. like quantum physics, for example, exactly. and other kinds of energetic uh, science, science that uh, is yeah. now prevalent on the planet yeah. significantly now. Yeah, so um, no one knows exactly how many people are operating from second tier layers right now, but uh, suffice to say there'll be there'll certainly be some people out there who uh, are doing that. And we we in the last episode we spoke about uh, particularly wellness in layer six, uh, so the evolution of personal care at layer six, mm. and. We're continuing on from that just to start to talk about layer seven and uh, because there are there are certainly probably quite a large number of people who are at layer six now and are in that transition phase of moving to layer seven. So uh, to, to have a little bit of advanced knowledge of what is just up ahead, you know, is, is very, very useful. And some of those simple practices of self-care we were mentioning in the last episode are kind of the ground, I think, for the, the newer uh, emerging technologies that are uh, that are going to help and and create a, a better health for us on the planet and together. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Simple things like just as I mentioned, just standing on the ground, you know, and uh, doing pra- old practices like qigong and yoga. These are these are uh, basically tuning into the energetic systems of the body, aren't they? They are actually actually doing that. And uh, layer seven and second tier in general is very much about integration. So. One of the things that shifts is instead of being quite biased to either left or right brain functions, as in the uh, as we are in the first tier of consciousness, when we make this transition to layer seven for the first time, we get an integrated operation of left and right brain, uh, which brings uh, a, a very expanded capacity 
of awareness and, and uh, expanded coping capacity as well. Because that capacity in second tier then encompasses, with that left-right brain balance, encompasses all the other layers below, doesn't it, to one degree or another? So those well, it that does. dominant right That's or right. dominant left, actually yeah. all of them are uh, at the service of when needed that intelligence or that consciousness that is on from the second tier. Yeah, exactly. And for the first time at layer seven, we're actually aware that the layers are there. Uh, whereas when we're in first tier, we can, you know, we can uh, learn about it by listening to a podcast that these layers exist, but we don't have a direct sense within ourselves, you know, of being able to feel and sense these different layers. But that comes with this transition to layer seven. All of a sudden, we're aware, and we can consciously move ourselves down through the layers in order to meet people where they're at, or you know, solve a problem that requires thinking from a particular layer. So, uh, from a, a wellness and a, a medicine point of view, uh, there's a saying that goes: "Physics in the, is the new medicine." And that's very, very applicable to the way that we perceive the world at layer seven. The body's electromagnetic energy fields are central to our understanding. And we have this strange phenomena which starts to take place as we move into second tier consciousness, which is known as light body activation, which probably sounds a bit fluffy in new age to a lot of people. But uh, there's a wonderful uh, body of work by an American, Japanese-American by the name of Dr. Mikio Sankey, who's written seven books from a Chinese medicine perspective on how the body's energetic structure is augmented as we shift into second tier. And uh, most people who are familiar with uh, alternative medicine and um, Eastern practices will know about the chakra system and the meridian systems that are described in Indian and Chinese medicine. Uh, and these are characteristic of the first tier energetic structure of the body. And then when, when we move into second tier, we get this overlay of complex geometry, which doesn't replace what's already there. It enhances, it's, it's added to what's already there. And, and this is, this is the, uh, the nature of our growth is that we grow through these layers and each new layer that we develop is placed over what's already there. So the, the whole set is, is a nest like the Russian dolls. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we, we mention often uh, places like the HeartMath Institute in particular, which uh, has been working on this area of uh, human beingness and health for many years, for a generation or more. And with, particularly with the word coherence, which is why I mentioned there, that, that, that word coherence, which is, I guess, like integration. And that's what we're really looking for, isn't it, in second tier, is that coherence between all these different polarities or aspects of ourselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, the process that we go through at layer six, which is like the bookend of the first tier, it's the, the end of the first tier of human existence. Uh, we, we go through a process of preparing ourselves and preparing our body for this great leaping capacity. So it's like we have to focus internally on our own well-being and our own healing and go right back down through all of the layers. And uh, I might just mention here that there is a direct correspondence between the chakras and the chakra numbers and these layers of consciousness. So layer one, chakra one layer five, uh, chakra five. Uh, and yeah, it's like we've got to look back through the whole lot and we've got to just attend to anything that needs repair or needs resolution, whether that be some kind of childhood trauma or, or whatever. 
sufficient that we have a solid foundation to make this leap from. And it doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we have to heal you know, everything in our history, but we need to have a sufficient foundation there to support this uh, higher order operation that emerges at layer seven. Mm. That's a really important point, I think, uh, because I think many people feel that they have to be perfect one way or the other. They have to physically be perfect or mentally or emotionally. They've dealt with all their stuff, as you said, and whatever. They've dealt with their past life karma even, all that package. But it's not really necessary to be perfect, is it? It's- no, it's not. And, and it's also um, important to remember that this is a dynamic system. So in the book that they wrote about Claire Graves' work, it, you know, the, the book was called Spiral Dynamics because we we travel up through these layers in a spiraling developmental fashion. And what that means in practical terms is that we go through like cycles, circles mm-hmm. of change and, and the, the change uh, dynamic or the change journey or the change cycle is an example of how that plays out uh, that we, we've spoken about many times before on the show where we start at a place of stability at the old system and then we go through stress in response to our changing life conditions. Eventually we're pushed into a place of transformation which can often feel like chaos. Then there's a breakthrough and then we have a, an, a high energy renewal phase and with proper integration, we end up stable at the next uh, value system or layer. And so that's what the terrain looks like in between the layers. And that can take years to play out, uh, that transition process. Uh, and of course, we can have periods of stability where we're not actually uh, you know, going through the, the change process, it, once, particularly once we're matching the complexity of our life conditions with our own internal operating system then there's no need for change it's only when the the uh, life conditions become more complex or less complex that we are drawn either up or down that spiral of development and so it's important to remember that uh, you know if you're living life uh, according to layer six as your operating system at the moment you're not going to be there 24 hours a day seven days a week there are going to be times when you will automatically and quite subconsciously switch to operate from different layers to match the life conditions where you are. The, the most obvious example of that is you know, going from a corporate workplace into a home situation mm. where you've got kids and family to interact with and you're not going to behave the same way, hopefully not anyway. Suddenly you're not the CEO anymore, it's the three-year-old, she's the CEO. That's right, and try as you might, <laughs> they just won't follow Can't the orders. Just, yes, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> so so even when we're going through this transition too and, and you know beginning to operate in second tier, there will still be times when we fall out of that and uh, and you know that is can be very very noticeable uh, because it, it is such a big change from first tier to second tier when you fall out of layer seven and back into first tier it's it's very prominent very noticeable mm. that that happens I guess one of the uh, the big changes that has come and I, I, I guess it starts in layer six and moves into second tier is the notion of what you've called the smart body and that, that awareness of the body as a connecting uh, point, so to speak, between all things, that, con- that connectivity, as we said earlier. And I think someone once said, you know, the human is, a, is the, the connection between heaven and earth, which is probably a, probably sounds like a, a Qigong kind of thing to say. Very much But so. we are actually really that, that transforming point in creation, one could argue. And that requires us to become conscious that we are body, mind, spirit, soul, all parts of us. Are actually smart. We actually have an intelligence about us, 
and we're starting to discover these things. And obviously, some of the technologies that are used in layer six and a bit before that to uh, beginning to uh, show us the direction that we're going with it with emerging technologies, as you're saying, physics is a new medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And I might just add in there too that one of the things that's changing in the, at the moment is our understanding of history. And we've come from a, an era where history was very linear. You know, it was often designed by the, the victors uh, and um, written to benefit them in particular I think ways. That's the definition of the word history, isn't it? You know, uh, written, yeah, uh, written by the victors. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so, yeah. His story. But, you know, what we are starting to discover is that there were people way back in history who did have activated life bodies and people way back in history who had access to extraordinary technologies mm. you know, that can do things that we can't do today. And so our whole concept of, of like this linear evolutionary progression is shifting somehow and, and I don't think anybody's quite cracked the a- absolute um, answer or the or the, the current answer anyway, mm. but it's, it's in transition, I might say. So, um, you know, there are stories in history books of people who seem to have had an activated light body. Mm. And, and there are stories from the, the Christian Bible, for example, of people ascending mm. uh, in a light body. Or living for 900 years or so, like Methuselah. Something like obviously that. obviously had some sort of technology going on to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's good to keep an open mind on those things, for mm. sure. We did, uh, talking about the light body stuff, we did cover this way back in episode number nine with our special guest, Dr. Stephen Booth, which was called uh, Future Humans. And uh, Stephen Booth has had the pleasure of actually training directly with Mickey Osanke, who wrote these uh, seven books on the way that our energetic structure changes as we grow through and to uh, the second tier levels. So you might want to go back and revisit episode number nine if you're interested in, in uh, more about the light body activation stuff, and we'll certainly be doing more on it in the future as well. But um, back to the the innate intelligence. Uh, so one good reference for this is Cryon's book number 14. And for those of you who might not uh, have heard us talking about Cryon before, uh, Cryon is a very alternative information source who uh, is a an entity channeled by an American called Lee Carroll. And uh, he's been, Lee Carroll's been channeling messages from Cryon for, I think, over 30 years now. Mm. It has an extraordinarily good record of uh, predicting the future and pr- particularly predicting future scientific breakthroughs. In fact, I'm, I'm not aware of any time when one of Cryon's predictions has been incorrect. Mm. And uh, in Book 14, which is Cryon's latest book, and the, the book is just a, a collection of channelings that have taken place over the last sort of, I think, uh, maybe seven or eight years or so, uh, but they're all about uh, how humanity and how humans are changing. Uh, it's called, the book is called The New Human, uh, Crime Book 14, so you might want to grab that and take a look at it. But one of the things that he's talking about in there is this uh, emergence of or connection with the innate intelligence of the body. And so in the transition from layer six to layer seven, we are completing the activation of our energy centers. So if you think about the traditional understanding of energy centers centers as uh, the the seven chakras within the body, first being uh, the base chakra between the legs and the seventh being uh, around the crown, uh, and the crown of the head, that is. And as we grow through the layers of consciousness, uh, we are activating the relevant 
numbered chakra. So if we're growing through layer three in Graves' system, we're activating chakra three and opening it up. And so over time, as we live through the, the whole first tier of human layers, uh, we end up with uh, six activated chakras. Uh, up to and including the the pineal gland, mm. and I, for those of you who might not be aware, each one of the chakras or energy centers within the body is mm. centered upon a particular gland. Yes, and then the uh, the transition to second tier comes with the activation of the seventh chakra, which then means that the heart chakra is the center of the seven. So when you've got a set of seven activated, the fourth. Uh, is the center of that pattern, which is our heart. Uh, and Cryon in Book 14 talks about what he calls the triad brain. And it's, it's basically giving us an updated understanding of uh, what we think our brain does and how our body is activated. Um, and he talks about the conventional understanding of the brain uh, as being like the first level of this uh, three aspects of the brain so that the the sort of conventional idea that the brain is a collection of synapses uh, and uh, you know we we use it to think and come up with ideas and those sorts of things is what he calls the first part of the triad brain and he says it's a remarkable survival tool uh, there's no doubt about that and it's responsible for our thoughts and of course uh, all of the mechanical uh, control of our body's functions and then the second part of the triad brain is the pineal gland and so with the completion of uh, or growing through layer six we we're activating this sixth chakra or energy center in the head and what that's doing as it activates is it's starting to move us out of survival mode because remember that the the first six layers of human consciousness in that first tier of consciousness are really in different ways focused on surviving and it's really just how do I survive in this world you know from this particular perspective and so with the activation of the sixth we're starting to move beyond pure survival mode and we can see that happening now with the way society is changing and we are being taken out of this mad rat race where we're we're just totally stressed all the time and working too hard most of us to simply survive in the world and nothing much more, you know, apart from a, a small percentage of humanity, most people are, are really just in survival mode. And so with layer six comes this time to contemplate, uh, time to reassess, time to heal, uh, and uh, that is slowly drawing us out of survival mode and into being mode, which mm. is what Claire Graves called the second tier. Well, I have here, as you said, the uh, the correspondence between six, uh, the sixth layer and uh, the chakras in the in the Hindu tradition, the third eye chakra, which is related to, to that, is, yep. is the Ajna chakra. And when the Ajna chakra is blocked, according to the Hindus, you have uncertainty, confusion, jealousy, cynicism, and pessimism. When you start to open the third eye, we perceive reality differently and clarity, intuition, empathy, focus and decisiveness emerges which immediately i thought like that's interesting those uh, qualities because they're left and right brain you've got you know, intuition and empathy which arguably a right brain you've got focus and decisiveness arguably left brain 
clarity, maybe both. So you've, you've actually got that expression, as you, we were saying earlier, as the sixth chakra, as the pineal gland opens up to these higher qualities, which are definitely doorways and gateways to the second tier. Yeah, yeah. And, and Cryon, in the uh, book I just mentioned, he's saying that uh, the sixth chakra, the pineal gland, it, we can think of it as an internet connection to higher knowledge. It's responsible for our creativity and intuition, uh, which fits with what you said from the Indian tradition. Lucid dreaming, astral projection, exactly. imagination. Yeah, exactly. And Cryon says uh, it's it's also our spiritual or interdimensional connection to the creative source, which fits exactly with that, that uh, wisdom from that great tradition, which is fantastic. It also opens us up to past life remembrances. And uh, in the, the previous episode, we were talking a little bit about the space-time conceptualization and how that shifts. And in, in layer six, where we tend to think in circular ways, uh, and and that in itself is a preparation for the shift into layer seven, where that circle is going to go from two dimensions, it's going to pop out into three dimensions, and all of a sudden we've got a spiral, and so we're in, we're in a spiraling conceptualization in second tier. Uh, so. I've been talking about this triad brain concept from Crian's book 14. The third part of that is the heart mm. itself, uh, which, of course, um, is associated with the, the fourth chakra. And his, uh, Crian says the heart is the largest electromagnetic field of all the organs. It influences uh, more than medical science understands currently. And one example of that is uh, if you look at cases of people who've had their spinal cord cut, you'll find that many parts of the body continue to function uh, normally, including the heart, the digestive system, all sorts of different systems. So that's a, a little clue that it's actually not the brain inside our skull that's controlling those things, but, but the heart itself. And as I was saying before, uh, once we grow through layer six and uh, activate layer seven, then the heart becomes the energetic center uh, of ourself, and then this opens up uh, the way for the activation of the the light body geometry, and the seventh chakra, which is centered on the pituitary gland. Uh, it's often called the master gland because part of its function is to oversee the functions of all the other glands as well. So it's like a, a master energy center, uh, and. Uh, yeah, once that kicks in, the heart becomes our, our centre. And I think, as you said, the, the Heart Math Institute have done a remarkable mm. amount of research, and I, I really commend their work. If you want to look at uh, the heart field and the energy patterns associated with that, mm. uh, and also they've um, started to gather a lot of evidence in uh, studies, I think, with Princeton University as well, into intuition and deep sensing capacities mm. that come and of course, things like biofeedback, which are quite well known, but that's an, another area which is exactly accessing that smart body. Once you start to get the biofeedback uh, information, you can you can you can consciously choose to manipulate, if you will, to change um, parameters in your body that are maybe out of balance in some way or other by biofeedback. Yeah. So it's amazing that that education that's coming along that we actually can just by focusing and understanding and having that kind of awareness moving within us about our body, we can know what to do. Yeah, more often than not. exactly. And each time we grow to a, a new layer of consciousness, our sensory perception is enhanced in some way. And in this leap to second tier, we really get amazingly detailed awareness of what's going on 
in our body, really right down to a cellular level, as you say, mm. which is quite extraordinary. Uh, the other thing that is shifting in this process is the functioning of our DNA. And uh, again, in Cryon's book 14, he says that our DNA in first tier consciousness is really only working at about 30% capacity. And there are multidimensional properties to our DNA, uh, which have um, been shown in some research over the years. I think there's a particular, I think it's a Russian study uh, that uh, looked at what they called phantom DNA, where they, in a lab, they had some DNA in a, in a test tube and they measured uh, the presence of it with energetic uh, instruments. And then they took the DNA out of where it was, but the energetic signature still was still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so science is just starting to sort of edge into that understanding of the multi-dimensional properties that our DNA has. And uh, and so part of what's going on in this transition into layer seven and second tier is, is uh, the activation of more of our DNA structure. And along with that, the personal awareness of uh, the functioning of our DNA in through direct sensing. And the, the impact of that uh, can include uh, things like slowing down the aging process uh, and also enhancing the intelligence of our immune system, but uh, really enhancing, enhancing our body's intelligence and opening up this, uh, this innate intelligence, as uh, Cryon calls it, or the smart body. Yeah. That we uh, that we can interact with and have more control over. So it, it really means more conscious control of the body. Uh, and uh, to quote Cryon, uh, you will have a far better idea of what's going on at a cellular level. That's that's what he said. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because you're not going to hear it in the same way, and that's that's another topic in a sense. But we all have our our way of listening to our intuition and understanding it. It's not a there's not really a frame for that as far as I can see. It feels like everybody has a different access point. Um, and to find that what works for you in, the, in those modalities, uh, I know you talk, uh, I think you've got up here about <clears throat> that innate intelligence, things like dowsing, for example. Oh, that's my terminology. Other methodologies where you can actually... Intuit. And kinesiology is what you were going to mention before, I think, too. Things like those sort of biofeedback, natural device. Um, uh, techniques that you can ad- adopt. Yeah, the, the, the testing, muscle testing that they use in kinesiology yeah. is an example of tapping into yeah. that innate bodily intelligence. Mm. Uh, and um, again, uh, Cryon talks about this connection between the innate body and what he calls the Akash, which is really the quantum field, uh, the structure of space-time where all knowledge resides. And so um, once we open up access to that, you can you can literally pull information from that quantum field uh, in a multi- records yeah exactly and uh, that probably sounds quite weird to a lot of people but uh, one way of thinking of it is just having really (laughs) (laughs) just having really good intuition and just you know we all probably know somebody who's got good intuition Mm. these days there's plenty of people around and and just somebody who will just know uh, and they don't have to go through a, a thought process or you know any logical process it's just they just know and I think, uh, and just to, because uh, I think it's important to, to because many people feel challenged by the fact that other people have that kind of intuitive abilities at times, but just to affirm that you you have your own access point somewhere, you may, maybe you haven't found it yet, or maybe you're still researching that or inside yourself, listening to your body, understanding that maybe you're working on and on evolving and developing that, but to, to know that we've all got that capacity is really important. It, it is really important, yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes... Um 
I know in my own developmental process, I can remember times when that was developing and I had a number of people, uh, I used to be married to a psychic, so I had, had that kind of uh, intuitive advice on tap. And, um, you know, I, I was told on a number of occasions, oh, you are getting the messages, you're just not hearing yeah. them or you're not listening to them. And probably other people, you know, listening to the podcast have had that advice too. You're just not listening to your intuition. Mm. And it is there and it, it is a, a really um, nuanced process of, of listening and starting to relate to the the mildest senses you know yeah. or, the, or the mildest sort of levels of, of sensory input it's it's kind of like uh, somebody pointing out to you you know just just stop for a moment can you hear that bird in a distance mm. in a, you know in the distance or can you hear something in the distance and it was always there and you could always hear it but you never actually put your attention yeah. to it and and so for me this you know development of that right. contact with the innate and and the intuition has been like that it's been like oh yeah actually now that you mention it you know yeah. and and this is something that we, you can practice day to day is really start to take notice of those very very subtle messages that you get and and particularly when they have implications you know and how many people have, have you heard say something like you know I, I knew I shouldn't have done that but I just didn't yeah. take notice of it yeah, that refinement is really happening, and it reminds me of uh, the opposite of that. You could say as uh, practices in in old spiritual tradi- traditions, like the Zen stick. You know, when you when you're sort of falling asleep in your meditation, and the master will come and whack you across the uh, the shoulder or something with a stick, exactly. literally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't really need that anymore. Hopefully, no, no, that's kind of old school. <laughs> I mean, you can do it if you want to, but you know, it's kind of old school. So, so with the the gift of this awareness and. and as we're saying, it is a learning process that you've got to go through, and mm. everybody, given their life conditions, being supportive to the development of this this layer of consciousness, and and really the whole planet is shifting into this at the moment. So uh, you know, many many of us already have access to life conditions sufficiently complex to stimulate these extra awareness, um, these extra perception perceptions and uh, and senses. Uh, it's just a matter of really having the discipline to to stop and listen and pay attention. And you'll find that as life moves on on the planet, you know, it's going to become harder and harder to solve problems in the old ways. And the only way that we're going to be able to solve our problems or avoid problems in the future is to really tap into these deep senses. Yeah, and I think that's exactly in this era we've been living through in 2020, these few months of uh, lockdown and so forth. It's That's exactly the opportunity because we can't work it out with, in the same way that we have before. And as you're speaking, I'm, I'm feeling how many times now as I'm living in my life where I'm thinking I'm trying to work something out and I just drop it because you can't do it. If you try and work out what the hell's going on on the planet, for example, that's very difficult, so just let go. And that letting go allows a, a, capac- a capacity to emerge in you to for other sort of higher level information to to come through. I also think things like gratitude uh, are really useful in allow- in creating a bit more ground for these things to emerge. Um, simple things like that, simple mental practices which allow you to have reverence for life, reverence for your journey, reverence for the journey of the others in your reality. Also. Um, creates a, a, um, a platform for higher intelligences to emerge, I think, my experience. Anyway. I, I agree, absolutely. Mm. And there are so many teachers who have said, mm. 
be here now, you know, be in the present moment. And what they're really saying is pay attention. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> pay attention to what's here right now. Uh, because if you're thinking about the past or thinking about the future, then you're, pro- you're quite likely missing these subtle cues that we're talking about that are coming from your mm. higher intelligence. And, and through this process of the, the activation of that triune brain, uh, and uh, and the emergence of uh, a different energetic structure uh, in terms of your body's subtle energy, so it really is a different ball game. You know, once once this starts to activate and you can tap into that uh, deep knowing, then you don't need to live by someone else's rule set anymore. And so, instead of looking on the internet to find the best diet that you can find to try and you know fix something in your body or change the way that you are. You just simply listen to your body and when you're about to eat, notice how does your body feel when you're about to eat this thing that's Mm. sitting on a plate in front of you? Does it feel good? Is it kind of giving you any cues as to whether you should or shouldn't eat it? Um, How does your body react when you taste the food? You know, sometimes you put a piece of food in your mouth and you go, oh my God, that tastes so good. I really need to have some more of that. Uh, and uh, I guess that message can be coming from uh, different directions. But yeah, you know, yeah, if, if yeah, it's yes. coming from your higher intuition, then it's mm. it's telling you that you know this you is might need a few needs. layers of intuition to get the truth somewhere. That's you right. To do that. I mean, yeah. it's great what you're saying. So I, I mean, I, I'm currently got a, a bit of a sort of regimen going, but not not uh, like it was a research regimen to do with all the stuff we're talking about. Exactly that. But I'm finding that some of the things that I had, which I noticed now, I may have purchased because I thought it was the right thing rather than having that intuitive response to it now i'm finding that i'm not using it like i, didn't, I forgot to put something in my smoothie i'm, I'm going and again oh it was that yeah. again i guess i don't need that exactly yeah exactly exactly and uh and in terms of, of the whole operating system and the whole way of being it brings you to a place of being far more present to what's happening right now and then that also allows you, and, and you've got a whole bunch of sort of available conceptual space that you didn't have before, You can so you can think about a whole lot more things at the same time, but it, it allows you to tap into the natural rhythm of life, and by being in the moment, you know, you are opening yourself to go with the natural flow of things and noticing what's working. Particularly, that's a very strong theme in Layer 7, is going with what works, noticing what works, and doing more of that and noticing what doesn't work and not wasting your time trying to do things that don't work also. Um, But uh, some of the other practical sort of uh, results of operating in that space are that you have an element of conscious control of your body's systems, including your immune system. Um, I know I've had occasions where I have immediately sensed uh, a pathogen in my body mm. and then been able to take uh, very, very quick action to deal with it mm. straight away rather than having to wait to, to get sick. Um, so, you, you, and, and there's a capacity that emerges to moderate the body's responses. So, um, you know, sometimes you, you might get overwhelmed by a response the body has and you have more control over that when you're operating in a second tier space. Um, and also it's leading us to ask you know, a whole bunch of new questions as well. Um, and, and a lot of this also is, is emerging as we transit through layer six is you know, thinking about the food that we eat, where did it come from? How natural is it? You know, how processed is it? 
uh, how good does it feel once it gets in your body and uh, how we might want to change society and our farming systems and our food production systems, yeah. where we get our food from. Um, so and, and at this time in history too, we, we really have an opportunity now to reimagine life. I mean, uh, talk about a, a blessing in disguise. No doubt the whole COVID-19 epidemic and the response to it have had a, a huge impact on many, many people around the world. Some people mm. have died as a result of it. So, you know, it's, it's not all... Um, it's not all uh, beer and skittles, as they say, but uh, there's an element of opportunity that it's opened up as well. And for many people, it has been a blessing in disguise because it's basically pressed the pause button on the rat race, allowed us to sit at home and think about how do we want to live life in the future, mm. and you know how are we going to reimagine life. And, and I'm sure a lot of people probably won't go back to the way that they were living before. No, and as you're speaking, I'm thinking here in front of me, I have a little note about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems uh, because, again, this is another figure and it's a, it's a very well-known one uh, of our existence as human beings. And the sympathetic nervous system, of course, is responsible for the fight, flight or freeze response that we that we have when we are in danger. This is a natural and very ancient response that came when we were sort of chased by the tiger um, down into the cave. And the parasympathetic nervous system, which is all about resting and digesting and taking in what you've got and, and, and being able to sit with, stay with, and take time out from and be in that space. Now, obviously, in our world uh, these days in the 20th, 21st century, the sympathetic nervous, nervous system for most people is aggravated. It's out of balance. It's overstimulated for all reasons. And I think this opportunity that we've had in this period is is, a, is an opportunity to to retune into the parasympathetic nervous system and to have or to find or to negotiate practices which can help you tune to that rather than the sympathetic response. Yeah, I, I agree, Nick. And on a global scale where, yeah. you know, the, the majority of the world uh, is shifting from the scientific industrial layer five to the, the humanistic network-centric layer six, and the, the big theme there is, is about balancing, which yeah. applies directly to what you're saying yeah. there. So as most of the world is, is uh, in the process of creating a layer six society, um, rebalancing things is a central theme right there. Yeah. Very good. I think that's uh, that's it for this week. I for, think that'll do us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us here again, and you'll hear that again. And uh, yeah, listen to us continually. We do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Steve. You've been listening to the Future Sense podcast with Nick Jeans and futurist Steve McDonald, broadcast weekly. We're also happy to be liked or loved on the platform that you're listening to right now. And we welcome feedback, comments, and input. Thanks for joining us. And remember that the future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.